Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is the Tribune Audio Network. From the heart of motorsports in North Carolina, the Fox 8 sports team presents... NASCAR, Dirty Air, Fast Friends, Dangerous Enemies. And now, here's your host, Kevin Connolly, along with the Fox 8 Sports Team. Certain people have hated me my entire career and not even know me. For Austin Dillon, joining the family racing business, especially as a high-profile driver, has produced a few bumps. Uh, exactly the reason why I'm leaving RCR. Harvick's always been known for being that fiery personality and say whatever comes to his head. Because you got those kids coming up and they got no respect for uh, what they do in this sport and they've had everything fed to them with a spoon. My grandfather called me and said, hey, you might be in the 29 car tomorrow night because he was so mad at Harvick. Dillon won't apologize for taking advantage of certain opportunities. I've definitely been given a lot throughout my career, but it is another thing about taking advantage of that, you know, using what you're given and, and um, doing good with it. Dylan hopes to go from good to great. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this new adventure that we have on Fox 8. It is a podcast. It is called Dirty Air, and we are really excited about it. I'm Kevin Conley, along with producer Kevin Wren, and a real special treat today, 2018 Daytona 500 winner, Austin Dillon is with us. Austin, appreciate the time today. Yeah, thanks for having me on here. I love podcasts. I've got one of my own that we started last year with Barn Life, and we'll get it going here when the season starts. But, man, this is cool. I'm glad you guys are doing this. All right. No filter, right? All right. You can let it ride. We'll do it. We'll let it rip. <laughs> Well, Austin, uh, you know, it has been a, a, a true pleasure to be able to follow your career for, for so many years. I mean, and we go way, way back. Um, some of our earliest memories, and, and that's what we're going to try to cover uh, throughout this podcast today. Some earlier, early memories and bring it all the way up to the, uh, to the NASCAR uh, star that you have become uh, in the Cup Series, uh, you know, with and we'll look back at the the big win in the Daytona 500 as well. So we kind of want to start with one of the stories that we did, uh, Kevin Wren and I did, when you were at the dirt track. Yeah, I okay. See this picture here. I'm, so I'm interested to watch this. You had already kind of done the go kart thing. You'd already done the bandoleros and. I believe you were 15 or 16 years old. So this is when you got really serious uh, about racing. Go ahead and take a look. This is 311 Speedway in Mouse. Okay. I just wanted to run a three because that was my grandfather's number. And it has a lot of history behind it, and I understand that. And I uh, wanted to try something new. So um, we got race cars, and uh, that's what we're doing. They're a lot of fun. They got a lot of horsepower, and uh, they're... They're tough to drive, so if I can drive one of these, I hope one day we can uh, maybe get in a cup car. With this, uh, these dirt cars, we didn't slide around a lot. 
it can uh, give us really good uh, oh, yeah. I guess, car control. So when we get into a cup car, you're driving real straight. And uh, if you really look at uh, all the race car drivers today, almost all of them have dirt car experience. And there's that video of you, of you and Man. your granddaddy right there. What, what are your memories from, the, from the, that Austin? It's, it's just so cool to look back on that dirt racing and 311 Speedway. I mean, I remember leaving on Saturday at about lunch, about a little bit before lunch, 11 o'clock, driving up the road, stopping and getting lunch and pulling into this dirt track. And it was like a second home for a long time for me. And this is a Carolina Clash race right here that I'm in. I'm pretty sure you can just tell I'm all over the place in this race. So <laughs> I'm definitely getting the hang of things. This is one of those times where I was like, man, am I going to be able to be a race car driver? I think I drove up over the fence one time right here on the start-finish line on a restart. Um, but, man, that is just a cool interview to look back on. Look at my dad right here. Wow, he looks so young. <laughs> oh, man, this is cool. What are some of the things that you learned at 311 that you maybe still apply today? Car control. I think that was a big thing is car control. And that place used to get so rough. And um, the physicality of the track, I was pretty little right there. And remembering, like, man, a 25-lap future, I would get arm pump. <laughs> and I, my dad tell me the whole time, man, you got to get stronger. And I think the biggest thing was relaxing. I had so much horsepower under my, under my belt right there. I didn't know what to do with it. But um, a lot of lessons learned uh, over time at 311 Speedway. And I always felt being good at home. You know, I think uh, it's good seeing you guys. You guys have been around me for mm -hmm. a long time now. And, uh, anytime you can start from a place like that at 311, our home track, and then it spreads out all over the country. Now I race all over the U.S. And bringing that back home, bringing trophies back home from starting something local and growing it, that, that's what's awesome. The fact that you did that with family, does that mean a little more to you? Does it make it mean a little, a little more to you? For sure. I and mean, you can see the people. Those people were there for me. Were my dad, Shane McDowell, Dale McDowell. Those guys taught me so much about racing in a short period of time because I was a late bloomer. I didn't start till I was 15 years old. And when that was all going down, um, I had to pick up it fast to be able to make it to the next level. And uh, they put me in situations that I was really uncomfortable with. But looking back, those were situations that make me comfortable now. Did you find that when you went to a, a dirt track, you know, because you had the three on the side of the car, you had the RCR backing, were drivers the competition, were they tougher on you? Yeah. Did they rough you, try to rough you up, try to intimidate you when you went to places like 311? Dirt track racers uh, all across, across the country are just competitors. Um, it didn't matter if I showed up with the big trailer, the number three on the side of the door, they are going to race me harder. You know, I, At some times you think some people would take shots at you for what it was, but everybody raced each other. It didn't matter. It wasn't for anything. We were just racing for a trophy. And... Um, that, that's what was cool about it. I, I really met some good friends over time there. Um, one of the first cars ever driven there was Michael Tesh's car from right up near the racetrack. And um, him and his dad and his family-owned operation up there raced all around the country. So I owe them a lot of credit, too. That was probably my first late model. It was the number 300. It was a crate car. I remember running it up at 311. So it goes, it goes back pretty far. Mm -hmm. Awesome. When's the last time you run on the dirt? Man, it's been a couple of years now, actually. I didn't run last year. Um, probably uh, my late model or a modified at Volusia. I ran some summer national races a couple years back, but it's definitely been a while. Maybe I'll get back on the dirt this year. I'd like to, I'd like to go run a truck at Eldora again. Maybe I'll plan that this year. Austin was the very first winner of that truck race at Eldora. Do you, uh, did that kind of legitimize you, uh, yourself in, in a lot of people's eyes as a true racer, you know, winning that race? I think so. It was special, you know. I mean, 
people really follow the sprint car world and the midget world. Um, and there's a, there's a group of fans for that, and there's a group of fans for the dirt late models. And then when we went in there and, and beat Kyle Larson for the first one out back on dirt, it felt really good to me because everybody thought that, you know, these late mall guys aren't going to be able to line up. And we, we lined up, we won the race. So that was special uh, to win the first dirt race back um, for NASCAR. And the coolest thing I did after that was take a picture with Richard Petty because previously he was the last guy to win on dirt in NASCAR. Now, obviously, racing is the family business. Um, you have been in and around it your entire life. 20 years of trying, 20 years of frustration. Dale Earnhardt will come to the caution flag to win the Daytona 500. Finally. The next thing we want to show you is a uh, picture and a little video from the 1998 Daytona 500 won by the late, great Dale Earnhardt. And there you are in that video right there in victory lane. What do you remember about that afternoon? And do you remember any of it? Yeah, um, so I was really young at this point, um, little bitty guy. But I was playing in MRO right there, yeah, hanging out with Taylor, high-fiving her. <laughs> That's cool. Always, my grandma used to say, cover your eyes when the champagne comes. <laughs> That's cool. So my brother and I were probably playing at MRO during the race. Um, while the race was all going on and um, when we won we just got yanked up by my grandmother and my mother and taken to victory lane and just remember what's going on and we got there and everybody's so excited and celebrating getting to do the hat dance and uh, throw up that number one it was a special time for everybody at rcr and in our community was it overwhelming to be in that at, at a, as a <laughs> seven-year-old <laughs> i don't know man at seven years old you're just happy right i mean it probably would have been overwhelming to a lot of people but at that point we were just experiencing life and and having a good time with our friends and and everybody's happy at that age you're just happy you're, you're glad to be a part of something austin Dillon wins the 60th running of the great american race so at seven years old you're in victory lane fast forward to 2018 and you're the guy in victory lane you're the driver in victory lane celebrating the daytona 500 obviously the biggest win of your career it was fun to be there and and, and be a part of yes. it um we we've kind of joked around on many different occasions um do you even remember anything from Victory Lane at that point? I remember most things, but I'm, it's kind of like a, a glaze. You know what <laughs> I mean? There's just a lot going on at that point in time. And you're, you're, you can't – it hasn't sunk in yet. It's just like, it, is this true? Is a dream come true? You're living in a dream. And um, it's cool to go back and watch these interviews and see who was a part of Victory Lane with you and so many good, happy, happy moments uh, during that time. There's nothing like winning here at Daytona 500. It's just, um, it's an amazing place. Just thankful for this opportunity. My grandfather's given me everything I've got, and uh, I'm glad to give him a trophy back. All you guys back home in the 336, uh, I got to say hello, and um, we're bringing home a Daytona 500. Y'all come see it at the museum and welcome. Winning the biggest That's race, cool. Obviously, of his career. That was that was fun. I mean, that, that victory lane was fun. And I, I tell you, just knowing your grandfather for as many years as I have, to, to see the sheer joy on his face was uh, was really something. And I know you you certainly felt that and, 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 and love to look back at that. For sure. I think the biggest thing is you just, you know, some of the things I said in that interview was talking about my hometown in 336 and area code there. And uh, 
it's cool to to bring back special things like trophies like that, and that's what I do it for is is for this, this town right here. I was hanging out with Chris Lane the other night, another boy from right in this area, and um, anytime we can build stars from this area, I think it's cool. So the support that we get from you guys here locally is great, and um, these interviews, man, they just bring back memories. It's cool. Chris Lane, of course, is a, a country star from Kernersville. Yep. Went to Glen High School, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, right. So, yeah, no, it's uh, it's always good when the, the old 336 can represent. In your career, obviously, it hasn't been, like, completely smooth. No doubt. All right? Um, and sometimes you have been criticized because of your family connection yeah. to your grandfather um, and all the success that he has had. We want to play one little piece of audio involved in another NASCAR driver, and we want to get your reaction to it and sort of how maybe that experience helped you grow. It is after a truck race at Martinsville where Kevin Harvick was involved in an incident with your brother, Ty, at the time, but you got lumped in to the conversation. But we're going to go ahead and play that, and we want to get your reaction. This is the fall of 2013. So let's just set a little backstory oh, okay. here. At this point, I'm uh, I'm actually at home because I'm in the Xfinity series, so I'm off this weekend, and I have a huge Halloween party planned at this point. So I have people coming over, and we're getting ready for this party. We're watching the truck race, and, and this all happens, and I can give you the rest of the story. Uh, three just dumped me. Uh, exactly the reason why I'm leaving RCR, because you got those kids coming up, and they got no respect for... Uh, what they do in this sport and they've had everything fed to them with a spoon so it's a shame you got to get taken out by some rich kid like that quite controversial at the time um and obviously that that ruffled a lot of feathers um for different people but what did you learn in that situation and how did how did that help you going forward in your career Truthfully, the only thing I cared about at that point was if I was going to get to party that night because uh, my grandfather called me and said, hey, you might be in the 29 car tomorrow night because he was so mad at Harvick. And um, so I, I was really worried that I was going to have to not enjoy this whole party that I had put on uh, because my brother and Harvick got into uh, a scuffle on the track, which I thought was, was pretty funny actually at the time because – Ty did a good job. He had gotten up there and was racing hard. And Harvick's always been known for being that fiery personality and say whatever comes to his head and sometimes not the smartest, and he can attest to that himself. Um, but he, uh, after that, Harvick and I actually met in his bus at Texas a couple of weeks later, and he apologized to me um, for, for saying those words and uh, because I had, I had no beef with him and uh, always respected him uh, coming up through there. It's just uh, he did the battle type stuff. Uh, the good thing is I got to watch a lot of drivers make mistakes like that and say the wrong things about people, and uh, I feel like I've done a pretty good job over time uh, making the right calls uh, in heated moments. And uh, But people love seeing that stuff, and that's what's great about our sport. What would you say, how would you characterize your relationship with Kevin Harvick now? Uh, I, I feel like we have a pretty good relationship. Um, you know, I've, I go to him for information on, on how his cars are driving at the racetrack and ask him about Keelan because he's growing up now. He's got a kid that's going to go through the same things that my brother and I went through, yeah. get called Silver Spoon and all that stuff. Um, but I kind of took it and run with it and, and use it to my advantage uh, when people say that. You know, I've, I've definitely been given a lot throughout my career, but it is another thing about taking advantage of that, you know, using what you're given and, and um, doing good with it. So feel like I've uh, I've done that and I'm comfortable with what we've been able to accomplish so 
I think it's cool, and um, you know, I think that uh, everybody grows up and learns at, at some point um, about life, and uh, definitely a lot of life lessons I've learned over the time in NASCAR. Do you think Kevin Harvick still feels that way? I, I know he feels no. differently. I'm pretty sure he, he's uh, he, he has a different whole mindset about it, you know. Um, but in the heat of the battle, you just you say things like I said that you know try and get under people's skin, and that, that's what it's all about. You ever been around him on the track in person and that comment ringing your ears at all? Um, you know, not really, because that wasn't really my battle. You know, he yeah. said that stuff, yeah. but I mean, I confronted him personally. We confronted each other personally. He invited me into his bus, and I said what I felt like it was wrong that he said it, and um, he he said yeah it was, and we went. That was kind of how the conversation went in in the bus that day. But Harvick, you know, I. I wanted to uh, be teammates with Harvey in the Cup Series. I was moving in the Cup Series. I was looking forward to running with him the the following year and learning from him because I mean he's he's clutch, man. He does a great job out there. And I was kind of bummed at the time that he was leaving because I thought we could build something great here. And then when he left, he did a good job over there at Stuart Haas and still is. And I've had to learn a lot over the last couple of years without him and feel like I've established something here at RCR and we're, we're doing a good job and. And that's that's kind of where we're at now today at RCR, working hard to, to bring home more trophies. You know, now that uh, Ryan Newman has left, uh, you've got Daniel Hemrick on as a teammate. You know, you're the you're the lead dog. Yeah. I mean, you're you're the veteran that's driver kind of now. Is that kind of scary Isn't to think crazy? about? Yeah, it is. It's it's um, you know a lot of pressure that's always kind of been on my shoulders driving number three. But it, like I said, you just go out there and you learn to perform with it. And um, I do it for the people here at our shop and, and this area. This is why I do it. I, uh, it's cool that our shop is here and not in Mooresville and Charlotte area. I feel like we have a little something different to fight for, and, and we have a different group of fans that, that follow us. So um, I'm proud of that, and that's, that's what kind of drives me. How will you kind of view you being the, the elder driver role, you know, and your, your role in, in, at RCR now? Well, just I try and – Jimmy Johnson taught me a lot also growing like through the sport and he asked me one time um, what the track did uh, in an Xfinity race and this is a like six-time champion or five-time <laughs> champion at the time when he asked me this and I was like wow if he can come down to me and ask a question about what I think the track's doing on uh, I don't feel like that that role of being that the elder statesman is, is it's it's a leadership role by example right it's not about telling someone what they're doing wrong it's it's about trying to build them up. So hopefully I just do a good job of, of being a good team, teammate and um, uh, can push Daniel to be his best, and he pushes me to be my best because you, you, competition is about being able to be uncomfortable and, and pushing mm -hmm. each other to another level. We are on the campus of uh, Richard Childress Racing in Welcome, North Carolina, and you could not come on this campus and not feel the, the, the presence of the late Dale Earnhardt. You know, his fingerprints are all over uh, this place, along with uh, your grandfather, Richard Childress. We want to play uh, a commercial that Fox used last year in some of their promotion, um, and I believe it was called The Book of Dale. Yeah. And, and you talked this. about being the bad guy yeah. a little bit because, you know, that was the reputation that Dale Earnhardt Sr. had throughout his career, that he, he was the intimidator. He was the man in black. He was the guy that wasn't afraid to use the fender if he had to or the bumper if he had to. But uh, anyway, let's go ahead and play the commercial, uh, and, and we'll get your reaction to it. We can't all be good guys. 
some of us have to wear black hats. It's what makes the world go around. The Intimidator, Dale Earnhardt Sr. When they asked you to do that spot, what was your, what'd you think? Oh man, it, I think, uh, you know, it was a cool spot, cool um, idea for, for Fox to come up with. And um, I, they didn't tell, tell us what we were going to be reading. They just handed us a card and we had to have a reaction off of it. So that was my reaction. And, and taking that role, is just, it's, uh, for me, it was just, um, you know, I felt like, I was comfortable in that situation, and if people had to hate me, they've hated. Certain people have hated me my entire career and not even know me. So if they, if I needed to play that character, I was good with it. The three goes down low. Now he goes to the high side. They hook bumpers. Hell of a job. That's what I mean. You want it. Um, the way the 500 worked out with that spot running and stuff is it, kind of wild. Um, the comparisons and all, but uh, you know. For me, it was just a race, you know, going out there and having the opportunity to win, and we got it done when it counted. So, but you know, Dale Earnhardt Sr. is someone that will never be touched in our sport. He was the intimidator. No one's ever gonna come close to that guy. I just want to add to the legacy of the number three here at RCR and, and make people proud that uh, live in this area and that are fans of the number three. Have we ever seen your evil side on the track? Oh man, I don't think so. Not yet. You know, I've, I've been pretty tame, truthfully. Um, this year, I think we're gonna have to be more aggressive than ever with the new style packages. Um, for me, I, I just try and take what's what's there, when it's there, and um, take those opportunities and turn them into to wins. Put yourself in position enough to win, and that's what uh, I kind of want to be remembered for is just someone that never goes away, like a gnat. Um, they're, <laughs> they're very. Um, they're always going to have a shot at some point in that race. Now you talk about um, the, the the rules, new rules package, the new aerodynamic rules package. With the with the idea of it, the design of it is to get cars closer together, right? More tight side by side racing. You also mentioned the fact that you're going to have to be more aggressive. Yeah. Are we going to see more on track incidents? Yeah, I think so. I mean, your pack racing breeds that and um, we're just gonna be closer together more often. And um, you run into the same guys. Uh, it seems like during a season, you're seeing the same people quite a bit, depending on where your car speeds at. So um, you can get frustrated quick over time, running into the same person or moving them, making an aggressive move. So you'll see guys tempers flare for sure. What's the dirtiest move you've ever seen on the racetrack? Dirtiest move I've ever seen on the racetrack. And what's the dirtiest move you've ever made on the racetrack? Oh, man. <laughs> I wish I could like think of one off the top of my head. A dirty move. You done anything you've regretted? Nothing has been in nothing I, I I spun a couple people under caution and stuff, like getting them back. Um but I thought it was warranted. I haven't like intentionally spun anybody out for a caution. I think that that I couldn't make myself do it. It's not like I haven't been told to do that or anything all <laughs> the time, but uh, I just can't mentally make myself do that. Karma, I feel like, would come back and get me, and I'm not good enough to do it and not spin out myself. Um, but dirtiest move I've ever seen on the track? I don't know, man. I would have to think about it for a long time and look back. I just, I truthfully let things, try to let things go. What, I remember one. one. Chase Elliott uh, and your yeah, brother. That um, one was pretty the, brief. That was, I was saying. That was in Canada, Canada, wasn't it? Yeah, that one was bad. Yep. Yeah. Um, Ty, drove right, Ty got driven right through. Yeah. That was probably one of the worst. 
dirty moves I've seen for sure. Ty Dillon with the advantage. Elliott right on his back, but we're looking at the inside of 10. They make contact. Elliott spins the three, the three into the tires, and Chase Elliott trying to hang on. Uh, didn't Chase get, get it back from somebody? Yeah. Um, I think the next year, I think he got it back like An Xfinity worse. race or something. Yeah. But, uh, but not from Ty. Right, no. Yeah. I, I remember Ty going up to yeah. Chase's uh, window and being pretty yeah. upset for Ty. Ty's, Ty's always in a mess at some point. <laughs> He's always, always in a battle. He, uh, he puts himself in, in those positions, but you know he's he's an aggressive driver it's cool it's it's his personality is totally different from mine but on the track we're totally different also so it's um he's aggressive he does a good good job of putting himself in positions but yeah that i'll say that was probably one of the dirtiest ones i've ever seen um in my time yeah obviously you mentioned your brother ty obviously uh there's sort of that sibling rivalry yeah. there Who's the biggest rival you have? Or maybe are there two or three rivals that you have out on the track right now? Is there that guy that you're just like... There's guys that I love to beat. Most of the guys that I came up with, you know. You we want, listen to me. We want, to, yeah, we want to name names. Yeah. <laughs> well, Larson is probably a guy that I'd love to compete with and beat because I feel like he's one of the best out there. And um we came up at the same time and have had some good battles through xfinity series and he's done a great job in the cup series and um you know stealing different wins or run running with him is always uh, cool you know i feel like that's one of the guys that i love to beat uh, i don't like losing to any of them but um that one feels good and uh stenhouse i've raced him in the xfinity series quite a bit um most of the guys that are around your age i met ryan blaney um, Chase Elliott, all the guys that um, around your age, Joey Logano, if you can get one over on them, it feels good. The, the old uh, guys, I'm not just saying, I mean, it feels great to beat those guys, <laughs> but the, the rivalry is just different. It feels better to beat the guys in my age group. I mean, because obviously you probably text back and forth with one another. Yeah. You call one another a little bit more. You're not probably really, at man. a – Not as much as you think. We don't really? talk – you know, I don't talk to much as much of those guys as um, you'd think. I play in the basketball league at Denny's. Um, with Blaney, we were actually teammates, and um, but not as much trash talking off the track. We just go out there and race. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of them are friends and talk all the time, Blaney and Bubba and different guys. Mm -hmm. But for me, it's I'm in a different area, so I don't hang out. Those aren't like my best friends. My best friends are mm -hmm. here. Uh, I kind of bring my friends to track on that. But the basketball on the other other side of it is uh, it's fun seeing those guys. Sometimes you're on Mondays going to the league night. You're like, man, I wonder, because me and Ricky had a couple battles, <laughs> and then we'd have to go like talk to each other on Monday, because basketball is on Monday, and you're like, wonder how he's going to react to certain things you did during the race. But usually, no, it's all kosher, because we're probably going to one of us is going to get each other back at some point. Now you're, I mean, you mentioned basketball. Um, you're a pretty athletic guy. Try um, to be. What's your favorite sport other than racing? Oh man, I love watching football and um, basketball. Those two are probably the top. Um, I, I played baseball a lot, but I don't like watching it as much um, anymore. I like to watch the Braves some, mm. but football and basketball are my top two. All right, so let's get back to NASCAR. Uh, you know, it, it's a dangerous sport. When you climb in that car and you're going, you know, 180, 200, you know, miles an hour, um, inches apart from the next car, next car. Sometimes things can go wrong. 
we're going to play a little piece of video, and I know you know yeah. what we're going to play here. Um, just take us through your thought process when a big wreck is happening. The velocity and the violence of the wreck was is hard to not, you know, even now looking at it, it is just a wicked crash. And when you can wreck at that kind of speed and um, knowing that that's probably going to be one of the hardest hits that you can take, that's what gives me the confidence to, to get back in the car. That was a summer race at yeah. Daytona. Um, big pack of cars, big pack of cars. You, your car got airborne up into the fence. I mean, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty devastating to watch the video. How yeah. often have you reflected on that and watching it? What do you, what do you think today? Oh man, well, first off, I'm just thankful for all the people that have worked on um, the safety in our sport. It's gone a long way. Um, NASCAR has come such a long way over a short period of time making it safer. So like I said in that interview, to be able to take a hit, it actually gave me confidence moving forward in my NASCAR career to be able to get in that race car and be confident about what I'm driving. So, um, you know, it, 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 when a wreck happens, you're going through it and it's almost like slow motion. And uh, uh, when it was going on, I'm just, uh, okay, I'm talk you're talking yourself through it. Like, I'm almost through, I'm almost through. It's got to be over. It's done. And in that instance, I thought it was over. And Brad Kozlowski comes through and, like, wipes me out again. And I'm like, man. You're on your roof. Yeah, I'm mad at that point because I'm like, what the heck, man? Like, <laughs> there's no way you should have ran into me that long. So I was pissed <laughs> off. I got out of the car. I'd watched eight seconds that week. That's why I came with the Lane Frost wave and all that. But that was a wild ride. Um, definitely a part of my career that uh, people always uh, bring up from time to time. Boy, the, the highs and lows for you personally just at Daytona. I mean, that's the, that's the spectrum right there. Yeah, tearing down a fence one year and coming back and winning the 500 the next. So uh, Daytona's a special place. There's so much prestige behind it in history. Um, it creates memories. The thing about NASCAR is one of, the, one of the questions that's being sort of thrown out there is why are television ratings down? Why are um, the ticket sales being down, you know, declining? Um, so, the, so the future of NASCAR really, truly, is is being questioned. It's being yeah. debated. Um, you know, drivers like you. I mean, I know you do tons of media. Um, you you do whatever's asked um, in terms of trying to engage fans. What is it? What's missing that <laughs> that that NASCAR in general can do to sort of spark that interest again? Well, if you look at any sport, um, there's transition periods in time where they go through different periods of ratings and stuff falling. Um, but in a sport where most of your main drivers, um, your most popular driver retires, the next most popular driver retires. We had a bunch of guys retire that this sport revolved around for multiple years. You have Jeff Gordon, Dell Jr., um, Tony Stewart, um, Carl, Carl, lots of guys that retire in a short time period. Um, that helped put our sport way up on the top. And now you got young guys coming in that people have to wrap their minds around and um, create that name. And that's what it's all about is creating these names and, and uh, going out there and doing big things, whether it's wrecking and ripping a fence down <laughs> or, or winning a Daytona 500 in front of lots of people. So um, our sport, will, I feel like, will make its way back where it used to be. It's just a, it's a time period of things. If, imagine if basketball lost 
MJ in like one day, and they didn't have anybody to replace it. And they 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 looked for it for a long time. I mean, NBA, you you watch Chicago Bulls if they're on TV, that's what you watched um, when he was playing. Mm-hmm. When he re- Appointment television, yeah. sure. Yeah. When he when um, when he retired, the NBA it took a long time for guys to build up. You got LeBron, and that came years later. I guess did he ever get to play against MJ? When he was like on the Wizards. I think he was on the Wizards. There might have been a little crossover. I think rookie year, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, so you're transitioning into these giants. you got to have those names, and that's a part of our sport, and and we're all trying to build that right now. we got Chase Elliott, myself, Ryan Blaney, um, Ty Dillon. we got all these young guys, Suarez, Bubba, um, that are coming up, and they're trying to create a name for ourselves, and we got some of the older guys that are still kicking butt right now. (laughs) Hard to move them out of the way um, because they're doing such a good job. But but a lot of that pressure goes on to them, I feel like. you got the Harvick, Logano, who won this year, um, Keselowski, some of those guys that are, that are um, winners in our sport. A lot of it goes back on them to do their job to, to raise as many fans as they can, um, and, and, and myself. Everybody, it's a part of our sport. The positive vibe is what it has to be sent throughout to everybody to make everybody pumped up about it and become a fan of, of, of what we do. Well, Austin, we really appreciate the time. Uh, it was fun. I mean, I, I could sit here all afternoon yeah. And, yeah. And, and talk racing and, uh, and all sports with you because I know you're, you're knowledgeable in a lot of things. So we, we appreciate it. Thank you. And, uh, folks, we appreciate your time uh, on Fox 8's Dirty Air. For producer Kevin Wren, I'm Kevin Conley. Have a great day, everybody. Thanks for listening to NASCAR Dirty Air. Follow us on myfox8.com. You've been listening to the Tribune Audio Network.